And now, live in studio, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. He's a successful entrepreneur, published author, top listing agent, a real estate and finance expert that goes to bat for you every day as a consumer advocate. Your host and the consumer quarterback, Brandon Rhymes. That's right. You're watching the Consumer Quarterback Show with Brandon Rhymes. Brandon Rhymes is out today, but we've got a special treat for you. He's going to join us via phone. I'll explain that in just a second. The Consumer Quarterback Show is all about you guys. We care about the consumers in this in our market, and that's why Brandon has built the show the way he has. The Consumer Quarterback Show is all about consumer advocacy. We want to provide you some information, some knowledge that allows you in the marketplace to be a more informed purchaser have your dollar go farther for you. Uh, to that end, Brandon has created this partnership. So we have a partnership of business owners out there in the Bay Area that get together and provide information for you, the consumer. In addition, we're talking, referring business to one another and making sure that we're doing our best for you out there. All that plus the feel-good story of the day, which is kind of the the, the pinnacle of the show, the kind of thing that Brandon has made the show all about uh, committing a random act of kindness, being first to pay it forward, if you would, out there, trying to improve our whole world one uh, story at a time, as it were. So the feel-good story is coming up today as well. And uh, as I said, Brandon Rhymes is the host of the Consumer Quarterback Show. You'll hear him weekdays here at 4 o'clock on AM860. Of course, we're on the web all over the place, WeBeam TV, our YouTube channel, Roku, Apple TV, all over the place. But uh, today, Brandon is self-quarantining. He's kind of taking the uh, step of making sure that he doesn't get any of us back here at the studio uh, infected. He thinks he may have had an exposure, so on the safe side, he's staying home. That still means he can join us via phone. So, Brandon, you on the phone with us? Yeah, hey, James. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate you doing a great job as backup QB, man. <laughs> Trying to fill your shoes here. I got to put the clipboard down and jumped in here. Good news is we have a great guest today to carry the show. Uh, Pinellas County property appraiser Mike Twitty has joined us. And I know this is right in your alley, so I'm going to let you handle it a little bit with Mike uh, when we come back from this break. I know you have got some properties as a member of a Platinum MVP and a Keller Williams associate. Tell us about what you got going on, Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, just wanted to thank one of our sponsors also, James, Golf Cart Depot. Sure. They, they are a local business, and we talk a lot about supporting local area businesses. And they have awesome, awesome inventory, refurbished, uh, new and uh, refurbished golf carts available. And right now, during the pandemic, they are uh, delivering so you can test drive at your home or office. So pretty cool, you know, have yeah. to pull up one of the big trucks and, uh, you know, supporting uh, the local economy here by supporting Golf Cart Depot of Tampa Bay. Uh, location in Lando Lakes. They also have one in Clearwater off of the US-19. Big, big uh, location right there in Clearwater as well. So thanks to the team over at Golf Cart Depot. Give them a call. Let them know the real estate quarterback sent you. Hey, Brandon, on your golf cart, is it is it charged? How do you? What's that thing like? Are you charge plug it in? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's electric. You plug it in, so it's it's green. You know, it's got the green energy. It's oh, actually- looking at yours right now, as a matter of fact, I see it. You got the red one. Yeah, I got the Keller Williams red, but it's in terms of energy-wise. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. You just all you have to do is keep distilled water into the batteries, and you just literally very low to no maintenance at all. Very cool. Okay, Golf Cart yeah. Depot guys. Yeah, support Golf Cart Depot, and uh, we got a couple of hot properties here. I want to let you know about a price reduction on a property right here on Lake Tarpon, uh, in Tarpon Springs, five two zero George Street South is a awesome opportunity to live the Florida lifestyle at its best. And what we've got is a waterfront, lakefront property, wide open water views. You know, sometimes you live on a 
example, you got that rear neighbor, that backyard neighbor. This is wide open water views. And Lake Carpenter, if you don't know, 2,500 acre lake. And I'm actually looking out my office window overlooking that big lake right now. And it's a great opportunity to live the Florida lifestyle. The owners are motivated. And they just reduced the price down to 496000 And it's 520 George Street South Tarpon Springs. Now, also, we have a lot of business owners, realtors, developers, title, mortgage, all types of great real estate professionals that listen to this show as well. And I want to talk to our developers right now, builders and developers. We've got a property at uh, 12208 Four Oaks Road, and we, we have the professional photography back now. And this property is a gorgeous property. It's, it's five acres in the heart of Tampa. So just to the east of uh, Del Mabry, uh, west of Del Mabry, rather, it's right there in the heart of Tampa Bay. So this is a five-acre development opportunity. Nine uh, R9 is the future land use. So that's the zoning where you could build up to nine units. Uh, and that area actually does need some, some new housing and possibly a commercial mixed-use property. And the uh, last property is 422 Wildwood Way in Bel Air. Uh, owner's motivated on this. He actually put on a brand-new roof as well. So 422 Wildwood Way in Bel Air, surrounded by world-class golf, just minutes to the beach and the intercoastal waterways of beautiful, beautiful Bel Air, Florida, and beautiful Pinellas County. Check out all of our listings at platinummvpteam.kw.com. Well, that's uh, some good-looking properties. And speaking of Pinellas County, Mike Twitty, lifelong resident of Pinellas County, the Pinellas County property appraiser is going to be with us when we come back. Stay tuned. We've got a great show coming up for you. Brandon's going to be with us as well as Mike Twitty. So come on back and check out the Consumer Quarterback Show. We're going to be here all day for you. Thank you. This is Warwick Dunn, and you're listening to the Real Estate Quarterback Show hosted by my man, Brandon Rhymes. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372, online at ConsumerQB.com. Hey, Brandon Rhymes here. I'm a top 1% realtor in the United States with Keller Williams Realty, the number one real estate company in the world. We're looking for buyers, sellers, and investors that would like to work with our top team in the area. Reach out at ConsumerQB.com. Just submit an email form at ConsumerQB.com or give us a call or a text at 813-670-7372. Call or text 813-670-7372 and we will help you win in negotiations with your real estate deals. Selling commercial or residential property? Don't leave money on the table. List with the Platinum MVP team at Keller Williams Realty. I'm Brandon Rhymes. Reach me at 813-670-7372 or PlatinumMVPTeam.com. You're listening to The Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. Online at ConsumerQB.com. That's right. ConsumerQB.com is where you can find all the partners on the Consumer Quarterback Show. Some great information about the program itself. The Consumer Quarterback Show is all about the consumers in the Bay Area. We're trying to provide you with some information to make your dollar go farther in the marketplace. We bring our partners on the program and uh, provide information for you. Today, we've got a great show for you. Our typical host, our normal host, Brandon Rhymes, is self-quarantining. He's going to join us on the phone. we got Mike Twitty, the Pinellas County property appraiser, in the studio with me. So we have a little different configuration today, but we're still going to do the same great show we always done. I want to introduce Mike. Mike, you went to the University of Florida, as I did as well. I did. I now, did. It says 89 was your graduation year? Correct. So correct. we're right, you and me both right at the start of the Spurrier era there. Yes, yes. What do you recall about that that time? Um, well, obviously it wasn't as 
when we were there, it wasn't as good right. as the Spurrier area. <laughs> That's right. Um, in fact, my first, my freshman year, we were ranked number one in the country. We had just come off probation, and I loaded up my my freshman roommates because I was the only one that had a vehicle, and we thought we were going to be world beaters. And we went right. to the Florida Georgia game and and got our butts kicked. And that one, they always they let you know about it too over there. Oh yeah, yeah. it was. I think we were they, they were heavy underdogs and. First handoff went for like an eighty-yard touchdown, and it didn't. And then it only got worse. Yeah, I've been through a couple of classics over there. Uh, all right, so enough of that. We got some news for property owners in Pinellas County. Uh, Brandon Rhymes is on the phone with me, owner of Platinum MVP, and of course, a Keller Williams uh, uh, associate. Brandon, t- help me out here with Mike, and uh, help me get some questions that give people information out there that they need. Yeah, hey Mike and, and uh, James, thanks again. Uh, so, r- I think right now the <clears throat> a lot of the folks are concerned with. You know what's going on? How's COVID nineteen going to affect? Uh, mm-hmm. Are they going to have sure. to turn it out on time and things like that? And and just maybe how your office is uh, conducting business in, in you know with the pandemic here? Sure, of course. Um, yeah, we've we've obviously had to um, push the pause button a little bit with the rising cases. We are getting ready to open some more of our offices uh, July sixth. Right now, we only have presently one open to the public. We're all working behind the scenes, but we only have one with the doors open. To the public, that's in Mid-County, so it's conveniently located for, for anyone that does need to come in. And we're monitoring how much demand for applications related to homestead and, and um, senior, senior exemptions, those types of things. But, but we've got everybody working effectively. Um, we're serving the, the citizens well, and we're monitoring that as we go forward. We, um, with COVID, one thing that's really important to remember is um, our values are always set as of January 1. So and on January 1... Um, COVID wasn't here. You know, at least we weren't aware of it at that point. So March 1 was was the date that they first um, announced uh, Florida to have COVID cases. So the way it works with the property appraiser's office is statutorily we have to set our assessment rolls each January 1. Now, we don't deliver those numbers until July 1 um, to the taxing authorities. So that's going on right now as we speak. Mm-hmm. We basically just finalized our numbers. But they're all based on an effective date of value of January 1. So that's leaning on 2019 data. Um, and then when we get to January 1 of 2021, we'll be looking at 2020 data. So we're in the process of compiling you know, all sales information, income and expense information, those types of things. We're watching the, um, the sales tax reports. Um, we're, we're building tools to where we can analyze by business type the sales tax impact and the bed tax impact. Because um, obviously we know hospitality and lodging were, um, have been hit pretty dramatically. So we're going to be looking at that. So any of that potential relief um, from the, ta- the property tax side would not be until the 2021 roll. I see. Right. right. Yeah, and on the flood insurance side, let's jump right to flood because, you know, with Pinellas County sure. being such a wonderful place to live, so much waterfront property is uh, I had alluded to in the earlier segment of Lake Tarpon and just the wonderful waterways that we have. A lot of homeowners are confused. They they, they don't understand flood insurance, and uh, they, they want to be uh, making sure they're, they're not overpaying for flood insurance. And what, what's going on in that realm? Well, you've got multiple players. You know, we do have, have quite a few um, private um, insurers in the market. Um, in fact, I just I just slid over to private. For I've been with NFIP for 22 years. And uh, frankly, I'm a little fed up with the way the program's structured. And, and now um, FEMA's in the process of revamping that. There's a new uh, methodology they're going to be calling f- um, uh, 
Oh, it's eluding me now. <laughs> what are they called it? Let me, oh. let me check real quick. NFIP, uh, for those that don't understand that, that's the uh, National Flood Insurance Program. And, and it's, it's the one that kind of underwrites for FEMA uh, when, when the you know, Federal Emergency Management Association for FEMA. So NFIP. And one of the things that happened to Floridians is, you know, all these years, it's like they expect us to have the hurricanes, you know, since Hurricane Andrew and all the different ones. Uh, but then, you know, you had the Superstorm Sandy that devastated the Northeast, and people were like, wow, a hurricane hit New York. That's surprising. Right, right. Um, that methodology FEMA's changing to is called Risk Rating 2.0. Um, it was supposed to kick in this year, but Congress intervened and, and the can's been kicked another year before that gets rolled out. So next April, we're supposed to see the methodology and, and the, the rating system. And then by um, October of next year, those rates are supposed to go into effect. Um, so they're changing the way that they rate risk to more align with the way the private sector is doing it. That's, that's the line right now. But the problem is we haven't seen the math. So we're busy in Pinellas County. I'm actually the, the chair of of the Property Appraisers Association of Florida's Florida Flood Impact Committee. So we're managing data within our respective counties. I'm helping other counties with their data as well. We're developing methodology so that we can we can interact with our congressmen and our senators um, to interact with FEMA and NFIP if necessary as legislation starts to be reformed or things need to be changed with risk rating 2.0. We want to have the data on hand so we can provide good, quick answers and potential impacts to our property owners. So we're trying to um, to work on that front, but then we're also working at the state level. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, well, you alluded to it, Pinellas County has a lot of its property value sitting within close proximity of, of our um, water boundaries. So um, you know, we're a peninsula on a peninsula. Makes it a beautiful place to live. I can't think of living anywhere else. I've been born and raised here, and I haven't found a reason to leave yet. But um, but that makes me care about this place a lot, and I want to see it preserved and, and resilient to whatever comes our way, particular storms and sea level rise. So what I'm looking at, you know, we've got what's called, well, again, it's a FEMA rule, um, the 50% rule. So if... You own an at-grade home, and your base flood elevation um, is greater than your first living level, then you're basically upside down within their risk model, and you're going to pay for it um, because of that. So we really want to try and, over time, help those homes mitigate by either lifting or elevating those homes, Mm -hmm. if if it's feasible, um, or redeveloping those over time. Um, You know, a lot of people talk about, Oh, we just need flight away from from the water. I mean, that's the reason people come to Florida is right. to be near the water. Um, we're not going to move into the center of the state. That's just not practical. Um, and we're looking at a longer term horizon here too. And what we don't want to do at the same time is create fear to where we impact the thirty year mortgage market and and the insurance market. Yeah, it's a unique situation. I tell you, I've I've done some research on this because uh, Brandon and I discussed this a lot about flood and property. And there's some uh, proposals in Dade County. You know, I never thought during my lifetime I would see the impact of sea level rise actually impacting the marketplace. There's already proposals in Dade. A gentleman has proposed a seawall construction. He wants to try to, you know, mitigate sea level rise. He's going to try to – this project is massive and it's going to take years. But at least he's saying I'm starting the process of trying to mitigate this. This is coming. So uh, it's it's surprising that in the last, I'd say, 20 years, all of a sudden what was – 
miles down the years down the road and something for someone else to worry about seems like it's right at our feet yeah yeah no we do have to start we need need to be serious about it and address it but it's not a um it's not a quick process so it's going to be a longer longer mm-hmm. runway that we need to work with and um so one of the proposals that i've been working up a white paper that i've bounced off some legislators uh we may try and get into bill draft form for this next session and it would be statewide um, and could be the foundation of a potential um, national program. Now, do you have to gather political clout to feel confident about that, or do you feel like this is something everyone wants? How, how is the climate out there? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of a win-win. Um, I, I try to look for those types of solutions, um, and, and I'll give you it in a nutshell here. So in state statutes, there's a um, there's a provision called the, the calamity provision. So if a, if a home is substantially damaged um, by you know a storm event, a fire, you can rebuild that home up to 110% of its square footage, its total square footage, without your assessment cap increasing. So you don't get treated as brand new construction when you okay. rebuild that. You know, right now you have the Save Our Homes cap in place so for a homesteader, and, and um, it preserves that assessment cap, but their market value may be way up here. So, and they don't get treated as new construction, which might even be mm-hmm. even higher. So what, what I'm proposing is that why, since they treat flood property is almost like a calamity on the come right why don't we pull the any that are in the special flood hazard area into that same provision so that would encourage it give private incentive to go ahead and either elevate or redevelop that home without having to worry about that big reset on their tax bill Hmm. Um, and in doing so you know it it doesn't really hurt the local taxing authorities because over time what you're going to do is you're going to make your your community more resilient because so, these homes are going to last. They're right. going to stand the test of time. When they sell, the cap's going to reset the full market. They're going to recapture any of that, that revenue there. And um, Have you heard any competing solutions or anybody out there propose anything that you uh, along these lines? No. Okay. No, not, not like this. This is kind of different than anything else anybody's And as we discussed, it's time for the state to, to, to make a move, right, to do something. Right, right. Right. So, you know, we think this is a great long-term mitigation and, and resiliency effort. I've talked to our floodplain managers around the state. We have one of the best, if not the best, in the country here in, in Lisa Foster in Pinellas County. She does a great job and, and, and you know, handles the, the state association really well. Hey, Brandon, when you're out there dealing with buyers, do you ever get these questions? I mean, who, who's, who's inquiring about out-of-staters that want to come down here and buy something? It seems like they just buy whatever it is. I don't know that they're aware or think uh, through the actual flood issues that we face down here. Yeah, they, they, they back off of some of the properties. You know, for example, we've got we've got a property uh, for sale on Hudson Beach on a canal there. And uh, we've had a couple potential offers, but then they find out, okay, well, my flood is going to be, you know, X amount of dollars. I think it's around $5,400 for the one I have in mind. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, they kind of back off the property. Well, we didn't, we didn't assess for that. We were, we didn't count that in our debt ratio or think of that. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's, it's confusing for people. And, and that particular property also just got rezoned. Uh, I believe it went from a velocity zone to an AE zone. And uh, if you just joined us, we're, we're talking with uh, Mike Twitty. He's the Pinellas County uh, property appraiser here. And James D. Jerome is filling in as host. But, Mike, could you elaborate a little bit about how that might happen? Yeah, the map changes. Um, yeah, from a velocity to an AE, so now that's going to reduce, hopefully, some of the cost because velocity is a higher uh, zone, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, velocity, um, they, they term it that because you're you're vulnerable to, to wave action and winds directly, you know, unexposed, 
or completely exposed, I should say. Um, so, yeah, if you move from a velocity to an AE, that, that is an improvement for the property owner. If you go the other way, obviously it's not. So what's interesting, if you look at the, the pending maps for, um, they call them preliminary maps, uh, FEMA does, and you compare that to our current flood map, um, it's really interesting because the west side of the, the Pinellas Peninsula, the base flood elevation is actually going down on the new maps, one to three feet on average. Now, how is that possible, Mike? Um, it, they claim it's their, their modeling. So, okay. you know, they've got an enhanced LIDAR uh, mapping and, you know, storm modeling. Now, there are some that say, you know, well, they're still using old data. They don't have the most recent storms loaded in, some, and they're not factoring in sea level rise. So, so the FEMA maps do not – they're not the end-all, be-all, and there'll and they'll still be some corrections. But a lot of their storm modeling methodology is different than it ever was when they created their first base map. So it's still an improvement over what they used to have. Mm-hmm. So, so you've got the coastal area out there right on the Gulf actually going down, which is actually going to help right. property owners. Because a lot of that, too, if you do get the water across those properties, the water doesn't stack as much. It goes across it, but it doesn't get as deep. When you go up in the bay, the you know storms turn counterclockwise, it pushes the water up into the bay. It actually – the water stacks as you get into the upper yeah. bay. It actually gets worse. So it's really the top of the bay that has the, the biggest impacts. And that's where you're seeing base flood elevations actually increasing, you know, by as much as six or seven feet. So there's some science behind it. These guys have to study the climate and kind of figure out our local topography and how the water flows and what's gonna, where it's going to sit and stay. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I had no idea how, <clears throat> how large this was. And, you know, I've seen houses in a neighborhood go for sale and, and the way inventory is down here i hear brandon talk about the shortage and and how it is but if you don't know that flood history you you risk you're making a big uh, you're taking a big risk there yeah and and to kind of jump back on that that um potential legislation that we're looking at introducing to get back on that 50 percent rule and how Mm -hmm. that impacts a lot of people are making that decision they're they're buying an at-grade home that's you know maybe built in the 60s and they say hey i really want to upgrade this or you know really i'd like to just knock it down and start over but I don't want to take that big new construction uh, tax hit. So what they end up doing usually is they're working with the contractor. Unfortunately, you know, they work th- that 50% rule to their advantage right. um, and end up improving that at-grade property, really over-improving it, and putting more, more value and more improvements in harm's way. So that was another uh, reason why I really wanted to try and, you know, consider moving our um, proposal forward. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So when it's time to make that change, you still have to worry about your comps and your relative uh, costs. Yes. Oh, I see. Okay. So, Brandon, when it comes to flood, uh, just because a, a property's had a flood history or it happened, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're in a position that's going to damage your property going forward, but it's still going to uh, enter into the negotiating process, huh? Well, yeah, and there's, you're always looking for changes, and then you know now you also have uh, more and more private in- insurers coming into the market, creating more uh, competition, which is always good for consumers when you have more competition. So that yeah, that's that's one of the challenges as well. And um, I also wanted to pivot a little bit here, Mike, and ask you. You know, a lot of people are talking about the the um, challenge of so many New Yorkers, New Jersey, Californians moving to Florida. You know, where are we going to put all these people? What about the strain on the resources and, you know, some st- sustainability? Have, have you been involved with some of the sustainability studies? We've got about a minute left, Mike, so just tease this one if you could. <laughs> um, yeah, not, not really been overly involved with any sustainability um, 
type research and analysis um, that that's going on in in some other departments uh, within the county and and in our cities. Um, I've been more involved with some of the the mitigation efforts. Um, but yeah, we got to figure out where to put all these people in in Pinellas. We pretty much can only go up. Yeah, absolutely. You guys over there are even tighter than we are over here as far yes. as you know, density goes. All right, we're, got, we're coming into a break. When we come back, more with Mike Tweedy. We want to get into some serious questions about property appraisal, how he does his business, and, and all the things you need to know about your property and what's coming up. And, of course, Brandon's on the phone. Brandon's got all his information and properties for you coming up in the show as well. We want to encourage you to check out our website, ConsumerQB.com. It's where you can find all our partners, and that's the key to the whole show. These partners that get together with us and provide information to you, we want to make sure that they're getting good business and they're the guys you can trust, and we've gone an extra mile for you, and we want you to check them out. ConsumerQB.com. Take a look. Hey, this is Grant Cardone, and you're listening to Consumer Quarterback Show, hosted by my friend Brandon Rhymes. Do not touch that dial. I'll come right through the radio and grab your throat. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372, online at ConsumerQB.com. You're listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes, online at ConsumerQB.com. Brandon is Tampa Bay's number one consumer advocate for real estate and financial advice. Call Brandon today at 813-670-7372. That's right. Give us a call. Find out what you can uh, learn on the Consumer Quarterback Show. Of course, we're providing information and data for everyone out there. Our goal is to improve your consumption out there. We want to make you wiser in the marketplace, make your dollar go farther. Brandon has kind of built this show as his way of giving back, and well, we're going to tell you something good as well coming up here in our next segment because that's the backbone of the show. We talk about a random act of kindness and feel-good stories and that kind of thing. We want to provide information, empower you, and give you something to, uh, to, to use out there in the marketplace that's going to make you better and uh, make your dollar go a little farther. So we got Brandon Rhymes, typically the host of this show. Brandon is joining us via phone today because he's worried about us in the studio, perhaps uh, self-quarantining because he thinks he might have had an exposure. So we're going to do the show a little differently. Brandon's at home, but he's on the phone. We got Mike Twitty, a lifelong resident of Pinellas County. He's the Pinellas County property appraiser. He's joined us here to give us some information. So Brandon, I was going to have you continue with Mike, if you could, a little bit about uh, portability, some of the other stuff that goes on in the property appraiser's office. Yeah, I think that's a big one right there, uh, portability. If you think about uh, when, when people sell a property and they, they say, oh, man, we, you know, I bought this property 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, we're, we're going to move, and all of a sudden, man, am I going to be taxed a lot more? Are my taxes uh, effectively going to be going up, way up, and shooting up? And I, I'm nervous about that. Mike, could you explain a little bit about how that portability of your homestead exemption and the Save Our Homes works? Yes, absolutely. So, so to put a little historical context to it, so we go back to the mid-'90s. That's when Save Our Homes kicked in and started putting an assessment cap on our on our um, property values. So what happened over time, you know, that assessment cap limited the value growth of your assessment, of your assessed value, um, to 3% or CPI, whichever is less year over year. So in a rising market, you know, your market value can be accelerating at a much greater rate than that, but your property tax base could never move more than that. Now that's assuming a flat millage rate because the formula for your tax bill is – is taxable value times millage rate equals your tax bill. So your value is just one of those two components um, in that equation. But so as that assessed value is rising and limited to a maximum of 3%, you start to develop a differential or a gap between that just market value and that assessed value. That gap or that differential there is what becomes the amount that you can port 
from one homesteaded property to the next. So the problem with that is um, when Save Our Homes went into effect, there was no ability to port. So you had a lot of people captive in their homes. They saw that they saw that their property tax um, basis was being protected, yet they saw that if they moved, everything was going to reset and they were going to be starting over. So a lot of people were not moving. Um, so then portability came along. We voted for that. That was a constitutional amendment back in 2008. That's, Nationally? No, no, statewide. Okay. Same year that uh, we also voted for the 10% non-homestead cap. So any other property, doesn't matter whether it's residential or commercial, um, if it's not homesteaded, then it's under the 10% cap. But you don't get the. You still can get a differential there between market and the assessed value, but it's usually not as great because it still can move at 10% per year. So portability was a big thing. Um, that came in in 2008. All of a sudden you had this pent-up demand and people were able to start moving around again because it was impacting real estate sales back then. Um, so that released that pent-up demand. People started moving, were able to, to port that difference. Now, over time, that difference has gotten bigger and bigger for a lot of people. And, you know, $100,000 at 20 mils, that's $2,000 a year in savings right there. So if you've got a $100,000 um, port amount, that's two grand that it saves you every every year going forward forever. If it, you know, so it's a it's essentially another big exemption. So you have your fifty thousand homestead exemption, but that that uh, saver homes benefit is another term that they use for it. That portability amount that is a bigger exemption than what a lot of people have with the fifty thousand dollar homestead. And just coming from me, I'm naive in all this. How many states have portability? I don't know that exact exact number. Um, there are assessment caps in other states, and they do have some form of, of port. Uh, some do and some don't. Um, Florida's, Florida probably has the most complex tax laws of, of any uh, state in the nation when it comes to that. Um, because of our uniqueness in terms of resale? Uh, yeah, and we don't have a lot of other taxation. So, right. so um, the things that have been done as far as exemptions and reworks to how property tax uh, works in our state has been looked at by the legislature for a long time. So um, they like to they'll go a few years and then they want to start they want to start tinkering with it a little bit. I imagine there's a lot of pressure from all the different groups out there. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, hey Mike, I was going to ask you as well. Uh, we talked a little bit, you know, in our pre-show interview, but you know, in terms of economic development, uh, you know, it seems like there's extreme competition between you know Florida, Texas, North Carolina, other mentionable. Uh, states and areas, and, and Tampa Bay has got to be, you know, towards the top of the list for some of these bigger companies looking to uh, relocate jobs, relocate industries uh, to the Bay Area. I was just going to see maybe if you could give us a little insider's look into, you know, maybe some of that, what we're maybe doing, or, or if you guys are working with the mayors uh, for uh, drawing and attracting uh, young talent and, and also other businesses uh, to the area. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, Florida not having a state sales tax is a huge deal. That That is what gets the corporate eye on Florida. That, when you pair it with uh, the, the the quality of life in Florida, the, the waterfront lifestyle that people can have, the sunshine, all that bodes really well. And then, you know, with this pandemic going on, you know, until just in the last couple of weeks, it looked like Florida was more of a safe zone than a lot of other places of the country. Unfortunately, we're having a little resurgence going on right now. But um, so keep those immunity levels up and get some sunshine and stay away from people. But, um, yes, we um, we do have some of those conversations. Um, I think I alluded to earlier, though, that um, a lot of times we get involved when it's 
some form of an economic development exemption or incentive, uh, sometimes they'll come talk with us. Um, there's an entity um, that was created by the legislature called Space Florida. I can't elaborate too much on that, but they're able to act, they've actually come in and looked at some projects in, around the Tampa Bay area. They've been to my office three or four times since in my three and a half years in that office so far, um, looking at to bring in different um, manufacturers re, uh, relative to aerospace, things like that. Hmm. Pinellas is actually one of the largest manufacturers in, in, in the whole state. Um, just a lot of small manufacturers um, spread out in our county. So, um, yes, we, we will continue to, um, to lure those, um, those companies in and bring quality jobs to this area. I know all of our, all of our mayors um, of our you know, major cities and, and our county leadership, that's a priority for them is to, um, to try and strike that right balance. Uh, you know, we've got a balance with you know, population. Obviously, we talked about Pinellas's. It is the, the densest in the state. It's about 3,500 people per square mile which, believe it or not, that's more than double uh, Broward County, which is number two. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So, but yet, when you look at Pinellas, look at all the great coastline, look at all our great beaches. It doesn't feel that it congested. Doesn't, it doesn't feel as dense as, as it looks on paper. Yeah, I so. agree. Right. Now, Mike, you're a technology guy. I've read a little bit about your background. You do some stuff uh, with technology. You're a member of a couple of different groups here. The, uh, what is it, the... Let me see. You were on a task force as well, uh, real estate technology. Yeah, that was when I was in the private sector. Um, we, um, my my appraisal firm that I was a partner in, we decided to become part of a national firm that was just starting up. So we had forty two firms that came together, and I became part of that that leadership that technology leadership team because we had to roll out common technology and get forty two firms that were doing things all different ways. Yeah. And a lot of different opinions, and try and bring you know the latest and greatest technology, and get everybody in the fold using that. You know, I had a background in technology, and I had no idea how important it was in real estate. Brandon talked about his uh, Keller Williams Association. Brandon, talk about some of the technology that KW inv- uh, yeah. brought out. Yeah, Gary Keller is a billionaire owner of Keller Williams Realty, and he about four, three or four years ago put together uh, the the first technology platform that involves artificial intelligence with the real estate platform and it's it's really it's it's like a crm for business owners for real estate and and it has so many different functions what he did is he we found that so many real estate companies were having what they call bolt-on technology you know a different crm a different broadcast email system something for tech something for marketing so we put it all together into technology with uh, keller command uh, and it, so, yeah, I think, you know, the technology piece is such a big part. And then also the questions of uh, artificial intelligence. How is that going to play out? And, uh, you know, what what will happen, you know, in the long run with artificial intelligence? Because there's not much uh, in terms of government oversight with AI. Yeah, I can imagine it. But I, it's just fascinating to me when I think of real estate. I, I, I know, you know, appreciate it the way you could do uh, drone technology. Uh, the open houses now becoming virtual. All the different uh uh, uses of technology in terms of uh, the out-of-state investor who wants to get a virtual tour of the home, he wants to find out different things about the neighborhood. Uh, it seems like real estate's a field that's, you know, tech is important and it's, it's being pushed by real estate a little bit. Yeah, it's it's something that's near and dear to my heart and we work in our, in our shop all the time on. Uh, we're doing neat projects behind the scenes right now that we're working on. We're doing 3D modeling of condominiums. Um, so we'll, we'll actually get to where we have all of our... Uh, say mid-rise to high-rise 
um, condos, especially with waterfront orientations, um, modeled and built to where you'll literally be able to go in and, and look out off the balcony effectively. And I've seen some stuff. The Weather Channel does some really cool tech stuff where they, they take storms and different kinds of buildings and, and show the interaction, how the storm might play out on a certain uh, engineering uh, but yep. it's really becoming a fascinating part of real estate and, and property development is the technology end. Well, you can mod- you can um, recreate the sunrise sunset so you in different times of year. So if, say you're right. if you're at the north or the south end of the building, you know who's getting hit by sun. If you're going into a building, whether that that pool ever sees the sun or not, or what time of day it is. Yeah, it's amazing. We got in fact one of our partners, uh, Travis McIntyre, is going to be on the show tomorrow from 3D Solar. Brandon, you and him get together, and you're talking about the. the panels and orientation and all that stuff, the technology and how it impacts the, the value of the home. Yeah, you have to have that southwest exposure and, and the sunlight has to hit you in the right direction. So that's interesting to see that there's modeling of technology uh, for uh, condominiums because that's the, that's a big question mark too when people want to buy the condo. They're making sure they buy on the right side of the building, which, you know, the correct side of the building rather, which uh, can I see the sunsets or do I get the sunrise? And if I do get the sunrise, I get that heat beating in on me all day long. Uh, if I'm on that southwest exposure side. So that's pretty neat that they're modeling that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we're looking at that. And, and what we're really modeling the most is a view corridor. So how much of a view do you really have from that vantage point? So, um, you know, how much water can you see? Are you blocked by adjacent buildings? Um, those types of things. So the the bigger the view, you know, typically the, the more valuable the property. All right, very cool. We're going to come into a break right now. When we come back, I'm going to read you the feel-good story, the kind of the backbone of the show that we do every day. Uh, talk about a random act of kindness. More with Mike Twitty, and Brandon's going to hang on and help us out as well. So come on back and check out the rest of the show, Consumer Quarterback Show with Brandon Rimes, ConsumerQB.com. This is Chris Voss, former FBI lead hostage negotiator and owner of the Black Swan Group, and you're listening to Consumer Quarterback Show, hosted by my friend Brandon Rimes. To get in touch with Brandon, call 813-670-7372, online at ConsumerQB.com. Ian Beckles here with my man, Brandon Rimes, a.k.a. the Real Estate Quarterback. Brandon, what's happening with the market? Thanks, Ian. We are in a low inventory market, so any of our listeners are homeowners and would like a free comparable market analysis or a 2.5% listing, we will honor this for the first three listeners who call or text in 813-773-1253, free CMA, and a 2.5% real estate listing at 813-773-1253. Check out PlatinumMVPRealty.net. PlatinumMVPRealty.net. Selling commercial or residential property? Don't leave money on the table. List with the Platinum MVP team at Keller Williams Realty. I'm Brandon Rimes. Reach me at 813-670-7372 or PlatinumMVPTeam.com. You're listening to the consumer quarterback, Brandon Rimes, cutting through your typical media nonsense and offering you a rational and unbiased perspective on current events and life in Tampa Bay. Online at ConsumerQB.com. That's right, ConsumerQB.com. We encourage everybody to check it out. It's where you can find all our partners and really uh, learn a lot about how we do the show. Uh, we talk about consumer advocacy on the show, and certainly Brandon is interested in helping you all become better consumers and having your dollar go farther in the marketplace. We also talk about random act of kindness. We, we want you to pay it forward. We feel like this is a, an obligation we have to be on the air here in Tampa Bay. We want to encourage folks to do the right thing. To that end, I've got a feel-good story for you like we do every single day. This one's about a deputy. So we had a deputy in Alabama. An Alabama deputy gets emotional thinking about the kind gesture he experienced while having lunch earlier this week. Uh, deputy Manuel Stone said he was grabbing a quick bite to eat. Three young ladies walked up to him. 
They walked up with a piece of paper and said, will you do us a favor? I said, sure. They said, don't open this, in- this note until we leave. And I said, okay. Uh, they left. I opened it up. The note says, we've paid for your meal. Thank you for your service to our community. It made me feel really good. I get a little teary-eyed, Deputy Stone said. He's kept the note with him in his patrol vehicle ever since the kind gesture. And he told the news that not a day goes by that someone doesn't thank him or one of his deputies. It means so much, more than anyone will ever know. It's fascinating how a simple piece of paper can be transformed into what peace officers consider a priceless document. When the words of a youngster are applied in support of us. Deputy Stone says this gesture, on behalf of three teenagers, really touched his heart. came from the younger generation. He says... These kind of gestures, like having a meal paid for along with a kind note, will go a long way as we continue to build a more unified uh, community. So we hear so much about negative. I want to make sure the positives out there on all sides are being heard. We need more of that, says Deputy Stone. And I just want to say, you know, we have heard a lot about police and and protests and all that. Folks, you realize that the majority of folks out there are good people. The majority of folks in law enforcement are doing their best for you. They're a difficult task, that job. So let's all take a step uh, step back and, and consider what, what we are, where we are, and consider committing a random act of kindness and paying it forward. I think that'll go a long way. All right, so back yeah, in right studio. On. Go ahead, Brandon. We got Mike Twitty with us. What do you want to say? Yeah, I was just saying right on. Man. I think that's the, that's the key right there is if we can all uh, – and, and also from a business standpoint is, uh, you know, if you're in our broadcast listening audience, you know, we're up to the panhandle down to Fort Myers, Naples, over to Orlando. Right. And if, if we can work together as local area business owners, sales rep, men and women, you know, consumers, and, and support one another in the local area, the small business owners that are, you know, really the backbone of the economy, that would be a super thing is just right. to collaborate and work together, right? Stronger together. That's right. Absolutely. All right, Mike. Now, we were before the break, we were talking a little bit about all the stuff you do over there in the Pinellas County Properties Appraiser's Office. Uh, I'm unfamiliar with Amendment 5. I need you to help me out a little bit. Okay. Um, this was a um, something that I recognized when I when I first came into the office back in 20, early 2017. You know, I had been in the private um, appraisal sector for 27 years leading up to that. I knew all about, you know, what was going on in our county and, and saw all the new construction going on. And then when I truly understood the portability rule and the time frame, I said, we're going to have a big problem because it reads statutorily, it reads two years that you have to um, port your saver homes benefit from one property to the next. Okay. Unfortunately, that's two tax years and tax years always start on January one. So it's okay. It's okay. If you, uh, if you sell on January one, you basically, you're good to go. You've got a full two years to buy your second homestead. But if you sell on December 31st, you've already burned your first tax year. So now you've only got one year left. And if you're dealing with new construction, if you're dealing with, you know, you might've had a disposition of marriage and you're, you're you know, trying to get back on your feet, it's really hard to, um, to replace that homestead in that time frame. Um, particularly if it's new construction, that really can create issues. Now, I, I'm, again, I'm naive here. When does that clock start, Mike? What started that clock? Um, well, so it's it always starts on, Jan- on January uh, one. So you, all- can't, you can't always control your purchase date. Correct, and and even even some of the real estate schools were teaching that it was two years from sale. Uh-huh. So that created a lot of confusion. And I thought the best way to solve this is just to add a year because when the voters voted for this back in two thousand eight, I thought that their perception was they were because I was one of those voters that voted right. for it, and I thought I was getting two years. Um, from, from, when, from whenever I disposed of my prior homestead, but that's not the case. So the only way to really do that is to add a year so that they'll always get a minimum of two years um, and a maximum of three. So we're basically just expanding that window by a year. So 
instead of it being effectively one to two, now to be two to three. But it has to pass in November um, with a 60% or now, better. It sounds great. I can't see an objection. Why would somebody not support that, Mike? I haven't found anybody that, that objects to it. it obviously, it, it still creates a little bit of a fiscal impact, but the number is not that large on a statewide basis. But where it is very impactful is to the people that actually lose that benefit. Mm. It can become make or break for them. I see. And okay. I'm sure Brandon can um, attest to that. It hurts the consumer. It, it, would, it would hurt the consumer, especially if they're, they're, they're unaware or they happen to miss a date and that type of thing. Uh, so that could be you know very detrimental to a, a family. Again, like a, a, a middle-income earner, small business that has you know owner, th- those types of impacts. And, and it's like, oh, wow, we're so busy running our day-to-day. We forgot to file for Homestead or we forgot to, you know, look into the paperwork on that. So I can see how that could be a challenge for people. Have mm-hmm. you ever seen anyone out there push a closing or try to uh, manipulate the date to take advantage of the maximum amount of time? Um, yes. If they're if they're shrewd enough to, to pick up on that. Yes. There, there are some that, that have done that. that. That time it right. You know, they'll, they'll they'll be near the end of the year and they'll wait till they cross January one before they want to close. OK. Brandon, now in the real estate game, you're just trying to get them uh, what they need to, to make the deal work. Uh, does the date, the, the timing of the closing ever impact, uh, you know, they're pushing for a certain date because they want to get the max on their homestead? Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons why people move, especially, you know, one of the misnomers you have is at the end of the year is, oh, well, I'm not going to, I don't want to sell during the holidays, you know, November, December. And I say, well, you know, the, the thing is, a lot of people have that same mentality. So you're going to be one of the fewer fewer homes for I sale, you know, be less inventory uh, to fight with. And if you don't mind people coming through the house around the holidays, uh, you know, depending on what you celebrate, uh, you know, that's going to be a win. Plus, People that are looking to move for jobs and transfers, they want to get in before the end of the year. Uh, corporations, jobs, you know, for different tax purposes, homestead, all those different reasons why we just mentioned are, are, are all about timing, and people might want to do that. Um, so, yeah, I would say also, Mike, if, if you could, what's what's maybe another misnomer or something that we should mention here? Because I know we're running short on time. About three minutes. Yeah, what do folks not know, Mike? Yeah, um, an- another big common misstep is um, is – People getting advice from from legal counsel to possibly put their homestead property in an LLC for limited liability protection. That is not a good move. If you've got a if you've got a substantial save our homes benefit, it's going to cause a cap reset because that is a legal change of ownership, and it is going to cause that cause that reset and can be detrimental. Um, what we've tried to do, we've implemented, we have a query that we run daily now, and we monitor any any of those deed tra- transfers. So that if we saw that they had a homestead and then it went to an LLC, um, we try and verify that to see if, if they have common addresses or if there was it still looks like it's a semi-related party. And we try to notify them so that they can potentially correct their deed before the end of the year. Because once you cross that magical January 1 line in the sand, there's really nothing we can How do. How about that, folks? They're going out of their way to help you realize your own yeah. mistake, which is pretty rare in the world of business. Yeah, yeah, and also we uh, a couple of weeks ago we had uh, Matthew Cox on the show. Mike, if you recall that name, he was FBI's most wanted, uh, Secret Service most wanted. He was right yes, here. Yes, I heard some of that fraud. Yeah, he, he did $55 million in fraud, but and part of the way he did it was because we have to put public records online. We put the deeds online. We put all that information, the recorded deed, the, you know, the satisfactions of mortgages. So he manipulated that system. Yep. 
there any talk? I mean, that would be a great area of legislation to somehow to, you know, make it password encrypted or, or, you know, I don't know what the solution would be, but that would be something to consider. Yeah, the problem is, you know, all all of the um, the real estate and title transfer process really requires that um, that information to be public. Um, yeah. It we've already have issues with people that just have protected addresses. And we and whenever that those properties need to get listed or sell or a contractor needs a parcel ID number, um, there are are there there's already issues with um, those snags um, creating hiccups in the process. So um, we can't lock the whole thing down. I know I've been asked that before, but we have to have it out there. But the, uh, there is a spot on, for example, the Pinellas County Clerk site. You can go on. You can register your name and um, you'll get and put your email address in. And anything that goes through public records with your name, you'll get an alert by email. So you can actually watch to see if there's any fraudulent transfers of your property. Now, if your name's John Smith, you might get a lot of emails. Um, but at least you can go on there and check and make sure nothing, nobody's um, fooled around with your particular assets. Yeah, that's the key. Got to have uh, information and knowledge, and you got to know where to go to get that stuff. It's out there, and you can you can police yourself like you have to out there all right brandon we're coming into the last uh, minute here i want to give you an opportunity to, to close it up yeah well hey mike we appreciate you taking time out of your busy day and joining us on the consumer quarterback show and serving the community as a consumer advocate and uh, we appreciate your time and thanks for all the, the hard work you're doing thank and you i want to thank you guys it. both uh, especially uh mike for coming in today's the first time on the show and brandon for giving me the opportunity to uh, host the show of course I'm generally the producer back there. You don't see or hear from me, so I get a chance to get out here and talk a little bit. And I hope I've done a decent job. For everyone out there who's a fan of the Consumer Quarterback Show, please, uh, if you're listening on the radio, check us out online. Uh, check us out on WeBeam TV, Apple TV, Roku, Fire. We're all over the place. Consumer Quarterback uh, is something that is out there for you. It's a service for the folks in this uh, area, and we want you to take advantage of it. We go out of our way to help you. Please consider committing a random act of kindness. And check out ConsumerQB.com. Thanks again, Brandon. You've been listening to the Consumer Quarterback, Brandon Rhymes. Whether it's real estate, consumer, or financial advice, let Brandon call your next play. Contact Brandon Rhymes at 813-670-7372. That's 813-670-7372. Online at ConsumerQB.com. And join us next time for the Consumer Quarterback Show.